Welcome back to Alger Assembly of God. Welcome back to our series entitled Infinitely More. We began this last week, and what we are seeing is that God has so much in store for you. Yes, God has provided salvation. We saw last week God had a plan. It was a plan that leads us to the cross, but it's also a plan that leads us through the cross. As powerful and as mighty as what he did on the cross, uh, providing salvation and forgiveness, what we saw is that God has even more in store for you and for me. And so our theme verse that we're going to be kind of referring to throughout this study is found in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. Let's just go over that once again. It says, Now all glory to God, who is able, through his mighty power at work within us, to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. How many of you have got a great imagination? How many of you, your imagination has lessened a little bit as you've gotten older? Right? Sometimes we look at, we look at kids or we look at grandkids or we look at little ones, and they've got vivid imaginations. How many of you had, a, you had an imaginary friend as you were growing up? Nobody wants to admit it. Okay. How many of you had a friend who had an imaginary friend? Oh, yeah, lots of people. You know, so maybe you had this vivid imagination when you were younger, and, and, and you love to just imagine what could be or what might be. And what we're seeing here is God is desiring to do infinitely more than we might ask or think or imagine. I mean, sometimes what we imagine or think is, is kind, of, kind of tame. And God's saying, I've got even more in store to bless and to go before you than what you can ask or think or imagine. Uh, in the NIV, it's immeasurably more. The King James was exceedingly abundantly more. And so the challenge is, yes, God's got great things in store for you, for you to be cleansed and forgiven and freed from sin, but God has got even more in store. So throughout this study, we're going to be looking at Jesus. It's the life and the journey of Jesus and challenged to know that God's got more in store. I'm going to invite you to turn with me to Luke chapter 5. I'm going to look at the first number of verses here as Jesus begins to call his disciples. A disciple is a learner or follower of Jesus. And so Jesus is encountering people. And here in Luke chapter 5, here are a handful of individuals that he is calling to himself. Luke chapter 5, beginning in verse 1. It says, One day, as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, this is the one called Peter, and asked him to put out a little from shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came, filled both boats so full that they began to sink. 
When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. So they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything, and followed him. So this morning, we're going to look at a, a handful of principles. The fact that the title is More in You. So let me first of all let you know that God sees more in you than you see in yourself. God sees more in you than maybe you see in yourself. No matter how healthy your self-esteem, your your self-worth might be, your self-image, God looks at you and sees so much more in you than you and I often see in ourselves. He's created us with incredible potential. He knows what you and I are capable of, even when sometimes we're not so sure, right? You, have you ever had someone who maybe they saw some, uh, something in you and, and they asked you to help with something and you're like, I'm not sure that I can do this. And they're like, no, no, you're fine. They saw something in you. Now, maybe it was just being a helper in something, but somebody saw something in you you weren't so sure about. And right off the bat, we're going to see that God sees something in you and I that many times we don't see in ourselves. We'll jump back into this scripture here from Luke, but I love uh, the thought from the Old Testament. One of my favorite Bible characters I've mentioned and preached a couple different times over the years, Gideon, right? Gideon, who was threshing wheat in a wine press. That's not what you do. That's not where you do it. He was doing it because he was a fraidy cat, scaredy cat. He was a a little bit nervous about those big, bad Midianites. If you remember, in the Old Testament, the book of Judges, the Lord shows up through this angel of the Lord, sees Gideon and says, Greetings, mighty warrior. No doubt Gideon was thinking, who are you talking to? There's there's nobody but this one big scaredy cat around. But God saw something in Gideon. Gideon perhaps did not see in himself. And then in those next several chapters, we see how God did, in fact, use Gideon in a mighty way to be a judge, a deliverer, and help and rescue the people of Israel. So one of Jesus' first ministry actions was to assemble a team. And that's, that's what we're looking at, these disciples, these learners, these followers. Jesus was going out, interacting, and asking these individuals to follow him. Again, disciple, a learner or a follower of Jesus. And so Luke chapter 5, we see a handful of these disciples that he's called. But what's interesting, it's he was calling them not because of who they were, but because of the potential he saw in them. These were some very average, ordinary individuals, and yet Jesus was seeing there was great potential to be able to use them. He, he saw so much more in them than they saw. And what's powerful is, where did Jesus find them? 
Jesus wasn't in the synagogues. Jesus wasn't in the temple. He wasn't in the schools. He wasn't in the place where the the priests were, the, the religious leaders were. He was simply out and about with the public people, and he was finding world changers in the, in the most ordinary of places. Average fishermen who were cleaning their nets, and Jesus issued the call, issued the challenge to come and to follow him. I hope that that gives you and I some hope or encouragement. The fact that he can see something in you, he can see something in me that maybe you and I don't see in ourselves. No matter what stage of life you and I might be in, no matter uh, what our past is like, God sees something in you and he sees something in me. No matter what your future maybe to you looks like, maybe it looks a little cloudier, maybe it doesn't look the most positive because of your past, God sees something in you. His plan, his purpose, it is infinitely more than what we are right now living. God saw something in these individuals, whether it was Simon Peter, whether it was James and John. You can go on down the line. Jesus called disciples over the course of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. The Gospels gives us the account. And each time it was the same. He was looking in them and seeing something in them. They were doing something else, but God was calling them. He was reaching out to them. Be encouraged today that God sees more in you than maybe you see in yourself. Secondly, understand that God is looking for our obedience over ability. So sometimes we, we boil everything down to ability and we really emphasize what we can't do or what we don't have. Maybe you're thinking you don't have the skills or abilities of somebody else. And it's really easy to kind of compare yourself to someone else. You say, well, I can't sing like this individual. I can't play an instrument like this individual. I'm not sure that I can teach like this individual or get up in front of other people like this individual. Whatever it is, we compare ourselves to somebody else. And we say, I don't have the abilities, I don't have maybe the, uh, the background, I don't have the education, I don't have the skills, I don't have the experience, I don't have the whatever that somebody else does. And we're always looking maybe at skills or talents or abilities. And listen, God has blessed and God has gifted you and I with many of those. They just might not be exactly what the person next to you has. But God is looking at our obedience. Maybe you're, you're looking to see, well, here's who I am. Here's where I'm from. Here's what I do. Some, sometimes people boil things down to uh, occupations or location. In, in the world's eyes, maybe the world will look at some of the large metropolis or large metropolitan areas as being important. Some, some of our communities here in Hardin County might not be familiar on a global scale. Is that fair to say? You're, you're, you're nodding your heads. That it's very likely that, that people around the world maybe have not heard of Alger. Although, you know, we do find people in Algeria who check our website and watch some of our podcasts and listen and watch some of our videos. So if you're in Algeria, greetings to you. 
Alger Assembly of God's not in Algeria, but we're, we're glad that you are finding us nonetheless. Whether you're in Alger or Ada or McGuffey or Herod or Dunkirk, uh, Dunkirk or Dola or Kenton or Lima, any of these surrounding cities, it's, it's probably not as well known, even on a statewide level, the way maybe a Cleveland, Columbus, Cincinnati is known. And certainly not as well known on a national level or global level. And so sometimes people say, because I'm from here, well, I'm not sure that God can use me. God can use you. In fact, he's looking at your obedience. Or maybe someone would say, here's what I do. I mean, in the eyes of the world, maybe, maybe you're thinking that some of these other professions are a little bit more glamorous or a little bit more powerful or impacting, and you say, but that's not what I do. I want you to understand, God can use you. God sees more in you than you've seen yourself, but God's wanting to use our obedience. Sometimes the greatest thing that we can offer God is our yes. It's the obedience. It's the jumping in and, and God, I'm going to do what you call me to do. I'm going to obey what you say to do. It's been said that many times our greatest ability is our availability. Are you available? Are you ready and obedient for God to use you? Look back at our text, right? Luke chapter 5, and we see Simon Peter. He's what? He is a fisherman. I mean, he'd been out fishing all night. Now they were cleaning their nets, and he was, he was somebody that Jesus looked at, and he saw more in his life than perhaps Peter was seeing. And in our text, and, and even in some other texts throughout Scripture, we see that Jesus actually asks him to do some things that, that maybe seem a little bit out there, that maybe seem a little bit ridiculous, but yet Peter says yes. He obeys Jesus. In verse 4, we read this. Jesus called to Peter. He says, hey, go back out into deep water. Let your nets down, and, and you'll get a catch. This is Jesus, the one who's speaking, the one who's teaching, the one who had been a carpenter telling Peter, the fisherman, how to fish. How do you think that went over? Right? That'd be like me showing up to your place of work telling you how to do your job. Uh, Pastor, I don't think you've ever done this before. You're right, but I really think this would work. Imagine if I show up to an auto body repair shop. You're laughing. I didn't even get to the punchline. Well, I guess that was the punchline. I've said before, and, and you guys know, I'm not handy when it comes to cars. So if I went to an auto body repair shop, and I'm just kind of roaming around a little bit, looking at an engine or looking at uh, you know, a tire assembly or something, and I start pointing something out saying, you know, I think you really ought to do this, would I be taken very seriously? Honestly, no. They'd, they'd chuckle. <laughs> That's a good one, Pastor Mark. <laughs> why don't you step aside let us do our thing? Here's Jesus. Now, he had been teaching and, and he had been doing some of that, but he was known as a, as a carpenter, the son of Joseph. And he's telling Peter, this tried and true rough and tumble fisherman and his buddies, yeah, why don't you go back out into the deep? Let down your nets. 
And, and Peter even, he even said, well, listen, Jesus, we've been fishing all night. I mean, it's not like I don't know how to fish. I mean, we've been fishing all night, and we did not catch anything. Yet, did, did you catch what he said? Because you said so, I will do it. There was obedience there. And so he says, yes, I'm going to give it a try. And so they went. That simple act of obedience, they went out. They did let down the nets. And not just that they caught a fish. Wow, okay, thanks, Jesus. You know, we spent all night and we didn't catch anything. We did it one more time and, okay, we caught a fish. It wasn't that they caught a fish. Did you see? They ended up having to call the other boat in because it began to sink. They caught so much fish. That was a pretty huge act of obedience on Simon Peter's part. And so the challenge for you, the challenge for me is, are we willing to be obedient to Jesus? Now, as we're reading through God's word and and as we spend some time in prayer and as we go through some classes or courses or, or discipleship times or in the message, God's word is taught or God's word is preached and we're confronted with something to do. I trust that you and I will be obedient and not stuck on, well, I don't have this kind of activity or ability or history or background or education. Are we going to to give our yes to Jesus? Simon Peter did. It was a challenge of sorts. But that, that act of willingness, that act of obedience resulted in a blessing, the blessing of fish. But was probably also a confirmation that Peter, Simon Peter, he was able to be faithful and obedient and used in Jesus and his kingdom. So he sees more in you and I than many times we see in ourselves. But he's calling us, he's challenging us to obedience. Not just about ability, yes, he does gift us and he does give uh, equipping, but he really wants you and I to be obedient. Thirdly, notice that he calls us out of our comfort zone. How many of you like your comfort zones? Right? We, we like things the way that they are. How many of you, you know, at, at night you, you've got a certain routine, maybe you kind of, you know, burrow yourself in amongst the blankets and, and your comfort zone literally is a comfort zone, right? We like things the way they are comfortable. But many times, God is challenging. God is kind of stretching us, calling us out of our comfort zone. In this particular text, Jesus was calling Peter to follow after him and to be a disciple. And what did it say? Back to verse 10, 11, we read it. Jesus said, don't be afraid. From now on, you'll fish for people. He he was a fisherman. He would take the boat out and find literal fish. And Jesus says, follow me. And now you'll you'll fish for men. You'll, You'll find them. So verse 11, they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything, and followed him. That is a huge step of obedience, right? You want to talk about being led out of your comfort zone, leaving behind your occupation, 
leaving behind everything that you've done, everything that you know. I'm going to leave this behind, and I'm going to follow after you, Jesus. Jesus was calling him out of his comfort zone, and he said yes. Maybe you remember this biblical account a little bit later in Scripture. You can find it in Matthew chapter 14. They were out in the boat, remember, with the the storm. Matthew 14 in verse 25. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them. These were the uh, disciples walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. Stop right there. How many of you would be a, a little bit scared, a little weirded out if you're in a boat and you see somebody walking on water towards you? You know, you might be just, just a little bit nervous, just a, a little bit, uh, you know, weirded out. So they cried out in fear. They were terrified. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. Let's stop right there. I think those are some great words of comfort and encouragement for you and for me. I don't know what kind of storm that you might be facing. Certainly, we know a number of things that that one another is going through. But when you face a storm, when I face a storm, here are the literal words of Jesus. And and many of your Bibles, it is in red. How many of you have a red-letter Bible? Red letters means that's what Jesus has said. So this is in red, and I want to read that again. He says... Take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. I want to encourage you this morning. Whatever it is that you might be facing, whatever it is that you might be going through, whatever challenge has come up today or this past week or this past month or this past year, I believe Jesus is speaking to you. He says, take courage, not because of who I am, Jesus didn't say, take courage because you're awesome. He said, take courage, it is I. Jesus said, I am here, don't be afraid. So I want to encourage you today, whatever you might be facing, Jesus is speaking to you, not just to to stretch us out of our comfort zones, he does, but when we're stretched out of the comfort zone, he's reminding us, Don't be afraid. Don't worry, because I am here. I am with you in the midst of that. Well, verse 28, Peter replies, Lord, if it's you, tell me to come to you on the water. That's just interesting, right? If it's you, I mean, that's probably not something I would say, right? If it's you, why don't you do something, you know? If it's you, let let lightning strike. Not if it's you, Tell me to come walk on water, because then that means it's got to be me doing something, right? For, for being honest, this was an, kind of an interesting challenge. Verse 29, come, he said. Uh, just one word. P- Peter's, he's not sure. He says, if it's you, Jesus, tell me to come. And Jesus says, come. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. How powerful would that be? Imagine if you are Simon Peter, you're you're not just interacting with Jesus, you're not just seeing Jesus walk on water. Now he says, come. And it says Peter got down out of the boat. 
Can you imagine what that would be like? You know, when you and I get into a boat or get out of a boat or we get into a vehicle or we get out of a vehicle, you climb up to a truck or you climb up, you know, out of a truck. I mean, we, we do those things and we step on something firm, right? If you're stepping up into a truck, you're stepping on something solid. Can you imagine being Simon Peter getting out of the boat and trying to put your foot down on water? Can you imagine what that would be like? I mean, not only is Jesus seeing something in him, and, and not only is he desiring obedience, now he's stretching him. It's not just to follow after him. He was obeying. Now he's been following after Jesus for a while. He's been a learner and a follower, one of these other disciples. But here's another time. Jesus is saying, I'm going to kind of take you out or stretch you out or call you out of your comfort zone. I would call walking on water definitely out of my comfort zone, right? Because it's something that in our own strength, it's impossible. But when it's in his power, when it's in his strength, it is possible. I mean, this is not just saying, okay, Peter, you know that thing that you, you know, succeed at half the time? Okay, I want you to do that. All right, flip a coin, heads or tails, you know, half the time you might do it, half the time you might not. I mean, this is like a zero chance probability, right? In the natural, in his own might, in his own strength. And Jesus is calling him out of that comfort zone. When it's done in his strength, when it's done in his power, when we're obeying what he calls us to do, he allows us to do that. And so I want to challenge you to obey. I want to challenge you to step out of your comfort zone. I don't know what that looks like. I don't know what God might be kind of nudging your heart about. Maybe that nudging is to step out of your comfort zone and to talk to somebody about Jesus. Well, what do I say? And he's promised he'd, he'd help us, he'd give us some words and equip us. Or Maybe God's challenging you out of your comfort zone to maybe consider missions or a missions trip. Oh, I don't know about that, God. Maybe, maybe he's challenging or calling or nudging you to do something, and, and you're not sure that you can. Listen, in our own strength, and our own might, we can't. But with his strength, his power, we certainly can. So he's calling Simon Peter out of his comfort zone. Leave your fishing behind and come follow me. Simon Peter says yes. Later in Scripture, later in the Gospels, he calls him to walk on water, and he, in fact, does that. There's a fourth lesson or a fourth principle I want to share with you, and that's this. Know that God's purpose is bigger than our failures. God's purpose for you and I, it's bigger than even our failures. Yes, Simon Peter stepped out of some comfort zones. Yes, he was obedient to what God called him to do. But how many of you know Simon Peter also messed up? We know that. Simon Peter failed. He messed up. This wasn't very long ago that we, in a sense, kind of remember this. Not too long ago that we'd celebrated Easter. And as a part of that uh, biblical account of Easter in the story, remember how Jesus was arrested. Remember how Simon Peter was in the courtyard. 
It's in a number of gospel accounts, but I'm referring to Matthew chapter 26. And in Matthew chapter 26, we see Simon Peter, he was afraid to be identified. He was afraid he would be outed as a disciple, as a learner or follower of Jesus. And so he rejected the fact that he even knew Jesus, right? Not once, not twice, but three different occasions, he denied Jesus. He denied that he knew him. Deny, deny, deny. In fact, the last time, God's word says he even cursed about it. Matthew chapter 26, beginning in verse 73, we see the third account. It says, A little later, some of the other bystanders came over to Peter and said, You must be one of them. We can tell by your Galilean accent. Stop right there. How many of you have ever been identified by your accent? Right? You must be from... Uh, you know, you, you watch, you, you encounter some people, you watch a TV show or a movie. Well, they must be from our, our speech kind of gives us away, right? It's interesting uh, going to Bible college, as I did at CBC, you know, people from all around the state, all around the nation literally would come to CBC. And so you had friends kind of from the West Coast, East Coast, North, Midwest, South. And, and you'd be able to kind of hear this melting pot of accents, right? And so here's, here's Peter, and he said, we can tell by your accent, you must be one of him. You must be with Jesus. But verse 74, Peter swore, a curse on me if I'm lying, I don't know the man. Immediately the rooster crowed. Suddenly Jesus' words flashed through Peter's mind, before the rooster crows, you will deny three times that you even know me. And he went away, weeping bitterly. Now, this was a failure, right? Not just once, not just twice, three times he failed Jesus. He, he denied that he knew Jesus, but it was a pretty big failure because it's even after Jesus told him he would. How many of you, you've had somebody tell you, well, you know, you're going to do this. No, I'm not. You know, they, they watch you, you know, doing some kind of task at school or at, at work or at home. You know, you're, you're about to fix something. Well, you're going to break that. No, I won't. And then you go and break the thing they said you would never break. I mean, here, Peter is hearing Jesus tell him, you're going to deny me three times. And Peter says, no. In, in fact, he, he was pretty forceful to Jesus, right? If you remember the biblical account, he says, No, if everybody else abandons you, Jesus, not me, I'm with you. So it's not just that he failed, and it's not just that he failed three times. It's even after Jesus told him he would, and he denied that he would. He left, he wept, because he had failed Jesus big time. Here's the fact Here's the truth. Unfortunately, you and I still sin and still fail. We mess up. Is that our heart? Is that our goal? Hopefully not. But the, the fact of the matter is, sometimes we still fall and fail. And sometimes the thought is, well, God can't use me. I mean, I just messed up. I just sinned. Look what I just did. I want to encourage you that God's purpose for your life and my life is bigger than the failures. Because the good news is 
Just as he cleansed and forgave us the very first time we respond for salvation, God's love and mercy and forgiveness is there for you and I. Failure is not final. There is an opportunity not to give up. He's still calling you. He's still reaching out to you and I. He sees more in you than you and I see in us. I'm thankful that Peter's failure didn't discredit him from being used by Jesus. Did he mess up? Yes, big time. He denied Jesus three times after Jesus said, you will, and Peter said, no, I won't. That that was pretty big. But his failure didn't keep him from being used by God. I want to encourage you, don't disconnect yourself from God. Stay connected to his plan and to his purpose. Recognize the mistakes. Recognize the wrongs. Come to him and ask forgiveness. Now, Simon Peter, at this point, I mean, no doubt he was feeling pretty low. Jesus said, you're you're going to deny me. And three times, Peter actually did. But not too far into the future. After Jesus had been crucified on the cross, buried in the tomb, raised from the dead, he connected with Peter after he had had risen again. And he gave him that opportunity. Remember, he says, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? Feed my sheep. And after Jesus Christ uh, uh, arose, went back to heaven, there was a great calling on the life of Simon Peter. And not too far into the future, he would pioneer and plant a church and lead many, many people to respond to Jesus Christ. Did he mess up? Yes. Was there cleansing and forgiveness and still a plan and a purpose to be able to be used for Jesus' honor and for Jesus' glory? Yes. Understand, God sees more in you than you see in yourself. He's looking for obedience over our ability. He many times is calling us out of our comfort zones. And his purpose, his plan for your life and my life, it's bigger than our failures. 